Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here on this January weekend. Um, if you've got your Bibles there, could you open them up to the Old Testament today? Book of Joshua. Yeah, I know. We do both. Old and New Testament in this church. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. It's a story most of us know really well. If you've been around church, if you haven't been around church, then it's a good story to hear. It's very important. Um, and again, I'm going to be talking about the year that's coming up. And as you can see, there's some stuff on your uh, chairs that you can either utilize today or take away to think about because I think it's always great at the beginning of the year to think about what you want this year to be for you. So can I ask you a question? What's going to be different about 2019 for you? What's going to be different about 2019 for you? And secondly, why is it going to be different? Is it because it's a new season for you? Is it because it just happens to be a new year and you start every year by expecting that things are just naturally going to be different? Uh, is there a new relationship you're going into, a new environment, a new job, a new course? Um, what is it that's going to be different about this year for you and why is that? Because I think new beginnings offer such possibilities. But I don't know about you, but I often find, for me, that when I stand on the cusp of these um, new beginnings and these new possibilities, I'm very excited about how fantastic every, everything's going to be. But then often when I find myself well and truly into the middle of it or getting towards the end, I find that sometimes not a whole lot has actually changed. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? Okay. Um, I seem to go, um, you know, my environment might be different, my job might be different, the people around me might be different, some of the challenges might be different, etc., etc. But there are some things that just remain constant the whole time. They're just the same. I keep bumping into the same issues all the time. And there's a very simple explanation for that. And it's called me. Right? And there's this old saying in the recovery movement, wherever you go, there you are. Right? Wherever you go, there you are. And what they mean by that is, man, you can, you can fly halfway across the, across the world and take up life in a new city. You can change your job. You can cut your hair. You can do all sorts of things, right? But wherever you go, it's going to be you that's there. You know what I mean? So you can change everything around you. But if you don't change you, you're always going to be bumping into the same problems, and so if we want to start this new year and these new opportunities and we want them to be different, the reality is we have to be prepared to be different, to think differently and to live differently. New days, this is what I'm calling it, new days require new ways. And there is this great example of this in the Old Testament. As I say, if you've been around church for a while, you'll know this story. If you haven't been around church, it's a good opportunity to hear it. But it's this story from Joshua chapter 5 and I'll just put it in context for you. Um, God has miraculously delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, 430 years of slavery in Egypt. And they're, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan and they're about to go in to inherit the promise that God has given them. He's brought them out of slavery to take them into this new promised land and they're about to go in and actually inherit that. But they balk. They actually look at what they're about to do and they say to themselves, we can't do it. It's too hard. And so an 11-day journey ends up taking them 40 years of wandering in circles around the desert where they all, except for two of them, Joshua and Caleb, die out. 
Now, why did they have to go through that process? Well, it's very simple. Because even though they had left Egypt, there was still so much of Egypt left in them. And if they were going to go into this new day and this new way of being and living in their new land, then they had to deal with all the mentality and all the attitudes and all the thinking and ways of being that had accumulated layers and layers upon them over those years in slavery. Otherwise, even if they go into this new environment, it's just going to be Egypt 2.0. And so they have to go through this process of shaking that stuff off. And so this whole generation that had been slaves in, e in Egypt, they die out. But by the same token, there's this new generation that has been born in the middle of this wilderness wanderings, and they still have to overcome their own sense of stuff as well, stuff they've inherited, stuff they've imbibed along the way. And they have to be retrained and about the way they are going to live and think and function um, when they go into this new thing. And there are three things that they do prior to crossing over. This is now 40 years later. They're standing again on the banks of the Jordan, about to go into their promise. And Joshua, through God, through Joshua, gets them to do three things that cement this kind of new way of thinking and being. So let's have a quick look. What's it going to take for us? What do we need to do as we stand on the cusp of 2019? The first is really that obvious, it doesn't even bear repeating, but I'm going to say it anyway. The first is that we have to cut off the past, right? Now, that might sound like, thank you, that's like 25 cents worth of self-help book. You know what I mean? Like, that is so obvious that any cretin could say that. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, you know, seven years of study and I come up with that. All right. It's, it is wonderful, isn't it? It's like, boom, let's go home. Um, so you've got to, we've got to cut off the past. I realise that sounds a bit naff. And the reason, I, the reason I want to talk about it is because for some of us, we think it's something we do automatically. The reality is we don't. If we're not actually intentional about leaving the past in the past, especially leaving some of the bad stuff in the past, it doesn't stay there. So what seems really obvious to us at face value is not that obvious at all. And it explains why some of us start the year with such excitement but find ourselves still dealing with the same stuff as we get into the year because we haven't actually done the intentional hard work of putting the past back where it belongs. It says in, in um, Joshua 5, verse 2 to 3, let me read this. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, "'Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again.'" So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. I can't even pronounce it. Okay? So you might be thinking, what? Circumcision? Like, seriously? What? Right? Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay? One of the first things God did was instruct them to circumcise the Israelites again. Right? Two reasons. One, very practical. The generation that had grown up in the desert hadn't been circumcised. And circumcision was a sign of their covenant relationship with God. But secondly, it was an incredibly powerful symbolic gesture they were about to do and God explains the reason why here in verse 9 he says I want you to do this Joshua because today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you you know what reproach means it means shame it means contempt it means disappointment it means disillusionment okay does anyone relate to any of those things okay Today, so I want you to circumcise these guys because today I'm rolling away all the accumulated shame, disappointment, 
disillusionment. That stuff has no place in your future. And it's a very powerful picture that's here. Here they are literally standing on the banks of the Jordan, a river they're about to cross into their new land. Okay, And God says, but there's a bunch of stuff that is not going to make that journey across the river with you. It can't. It can't go into that new promise with you. And I think if we get that mental picture in our minds for this year, here we stand, right, at the beginning of 2019. We're about to cross into this new year. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that should not have any place in our 2019. Let me ask you a question. Have you currently got anything following you right now that you don't want coming with you when you cross over into the rest of this year? Okay? Is there anything hanging behind you that you think, no, you do a Gandalf, you shall not pass, right? You shall not pass. There's, there's stuff that we just need to leave on that side of the river. There's stuff that we need to leave there and we have to be intentional and disciplined about doing that. We have to be intentional. See, the past does not become the past just because it happened back then. The past only becomes the past when it no longer affects our present or our future. Are you with me? So there's no point talking about the past if it's still a live issue because it's not past anymore, is it? It's only past when it's no longer a live issue for us. It doesn't mean that we don't ever remember it. I mean, there's this kind of a fallacy that, that if we've truly forgiven or, for, you know, we'll just immediately forget things. A lot of the time you never forget things. What it means is it no longer has a hold on you. It no longer has power over you. It's no longer influencing you in the present. That's when you know something is in the past. So the future starts with cutting off anything that smells like what we need to leave behind. See, how can you go in and conquer Canaan if you're still thinking like a slave? How can you have honour when you're covered in shame? How can you believe and have hope when you're governed by perpetual disappointment? I was reading a thing about cynicism the other day, which was really helpful. It doesn't sound it, does it? But it was good. I like to, I like to uh, see how the hamburger's made, if you know what I mean. Like, I like to, I like to really sort of get, get in there. I'm an INTP, if that makes sense for anyone who does Maya Briggs. You know, I just, I have to know how things work. And so I was looking um, at this thing about cynicism. And there's the guy was saying, you know, when you're young, right, you start off and you, you really think you're going to change the world, you know? Everything's full of hope and possibilities. And you take your hits and whatever and so on. But then you start to take some very significant hits, you know? There's relationships that you thought were going to be forever and they, they're not. And you thought this was going to happen and it doesn't. And gradually that starts to get into your psyche. And after a while, you, you become less and less hopeful. How many old people know what I'm talking about? Okay, right. Um, okay, and, and, and left unchecked, that actually becomes... Cynicism, and what cynicism is, is a projection of your past hurts and failures and disappointments onto your future. So what it is, is whenever you think about the future, whenever you think about this year, if you're still projecting all your disappointments from the past, like, why would I expect this year to be any different? That's cynicism, right? That's what cynicism is. And some of us need to be free from that sort of stuff. And the way we get free from that sort of stuff is by recognising that stuff belongs in the past. Yes, it happened, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. Look, the possibility and the probabilities are all sorts of things aren't going to work out the way we want. But if what happens with cynicism is you lose the one key vital ingredient you need to navigate life well, and that is hope. If you don't have hope, guess what you're going to try? Not a lot. Not a lot at all. And we want to go into this year full of hope, which means we, some of us need to leave some stuff behind and not project it on to the future we're about to go into. The second thing is we need to do is we need to choose a new story. In verse 10, 
It says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while they were camped at Gilgal, oh, and just on that, Gilgal, Gilgal actually means rolled away. So what God did for them in that thing was not only did he say to them, I'm going to roll away your shame and your disappointment and everything like that, he also named the place after it. And why he did that was so they would have a fixed point in time and place. So if ever this stuff ever reared its ugly head again, they could go, but we dealt with that back then. And that's why we have to be quite intentional about doing this type of thing because as we go into our year, some of this stuff is going to rear its head again. And we need to go, I actually dealt with that. In fact, I did an exercise the other day and I started writing a list of all the things I don't want to come with me into 2019. And I thought, I'm going to have like a couple of things on there. It became a very long list. It became a very long list of things I do not want to bring into this year. So that's why I put this thing on your, um, on your uh, what do you call Chairs, thank you. Is that, is that what they're called these days? Chairs, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, you, it just, you can do them today, you can take them away, but the idea being there's a fixed point in time and a fixed place where you write down these things so as the year goes on you go, no, 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 no. No, I've left that behind, it's not coming with me. So, at Gilgal, which means rolled away, on the plains of Jericho, and then it says this, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. So the Passover was the celebration of their deliverance, it was their Exodus story. What they did, and what they still do to this day in the Passover, is they retell the story of God's deliverance of them from slavery in Egypt. So, what story are we going to tell and retell as we're going into 2019? What stories are we going to tell ourselves this year? Now, the Passover story, when you think about it, it could have been one of two different stories. It could have been a glass half full or a glass half empty story. The Passover story, if it was a glass half empty story, would have been, oh man, do you remember when we were in Egypt and how hard it was, how hot it was, how badly we were mistreated, etc., etc., etc. Imagine rehearsing that year after year. You'd be a real party person, wouldn't you? Okay, everyone would want to be around you, just bemoaning all the all the the misfortune that had you know befallen you over the over the past life. Or it could be a glass half full story, and the glass half full part of it is yes, we were slaves, so there's no denying it. But but God delivered us. He did this amazing thing. We crossed through a sea. We took the plunder of Egypt. God brought us into our new land. They, tell, they choose to tell that story as well. It wasn't a pity story. It was a deliverance story. It's a story that acknowledges that stuff happened, but this was even better. So at the moment, I'm in the process of um, editing up into video um, all, the stu- all the footage we took while Heather and I were on our holiday. So I've given, you know, I've had a few runs at it, but I'm still in the process of doing it because I'm hoping to have a, a movie release at some point <laughs> of it. Um, anyway, so so as I'm looking, at, you know, I've got footage of these incredible places around the world, like beautiful, spectacular, all the highlights, all the high points. But you know what? As as you're doing it, you realise there's so much, there's so much that you don't capture and you don't record and you don't want to keep, you know. Um, so, like the time, for example, the story I told you where I smashed my head into the glass door in the hotel lobby in Barcelona. That's not getting on the video, okay? Or the time, or the time where I was literally running up and down La Rambla in Barcelona because I'd had two coffees and a beer and then realised Spain doesn't have public toilets. 
and I thought I was going to die. Then there was the time that uh, we checked into our apartment in, in Avignon and we realised it was desperately unsuitable. It, was, it was, would have been dangerous to stay in there. Not because not of the neighbourhood, because of the configuration of the, the, the hotel and so uh, the, the apartment. So we booked into another one and, and we had to lug everything we had, including our suitcases, three and a half kilometres in 30 plus degree heat to get there because Google Maps thought we were a car and rather than taking us down the 600 metre pedestrian way, took us outside the city and all the way around. That's not getting on the video either. <laughs> or the time in Monterosso where, where for some reason, if anyone's ever been to Italy, talk to me about catching trains, right? Where the train turned up in the carriages in reverse order. So we spent the next 35 minutes along with 200 other people with our luggage above our heads, trying to navigate all the way down to find our seat. Not only was it late, the conductor got into a fight with one of the passengers, so they decided to stop and call the carabinieri, who then had a fight with them for the next half an hour. So we missed our connecting train to Rome. That doesn't make the, connect, that doesn't make the final edit either. Or, or the bit where Heather kept beeping going through the security guard, gate at Dubai and ended up having to be whisked away to a tent for a body search. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious until they pulled me aside to check for explosives. <laughs> that happened twice. Do I look like the kind of guy who mucks around with explosives? Evidently. Okay. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that is not making the cut in our video because it's not stuff I want to remember. And what I want to say in all of that is, we are the editors of our own stories, right? Aren't we? We are the editors of our own stories. We get to choose what makes it to the final cut. We get to choose what goes on our reel. And if we're choosing the sad stories all the time, we're choosing the hard done by stories all the time, again, I don't ever want to diminish some of the stuff that people go through or we go through. It's hard. But there's another side to it as well. There are good things that we can see. There are things that we can choose to focus on that will help us navigate this world, uh, this life a lot better. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul actually says, we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. So what he's saying is, I've, I've got this stuff going on. And I could tell you that story. It could just be that I'm persecuted, I'm struck down, I'm in despair. He doesn't, he says, there's this but. The but is, all of this going on, is, is going on, but God's in this with this. And I'm not being crushed by this. I'm not being abandoned in this. I'm not being made to feel like I need to give up in this. In Lamentations, Jeremiah, he's, you know, he's in Jerusalem. When Jerusalem is being laid siege to... They've run out of food. People are eating their own children. This is how grave the situation is. And Jeremiah says, you know, when I think about that, my soul gets really downcast within me. Really? You know? And he says, but yet, yet, he says, because of this, I still have hope. I call this to mind and I have hope. Because of the Lord's great mercy, we're not crushed. His compassion never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And he says, yes, all this is going on, but I choose to bring to mind these other realities, these greater realities. 
God's mercies are new every morning. His compassion never fails. He is faithful in everything. And right now this is going on, but it's not the end. There will be more. He tells himself that stuff. You know, the great um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, some of you might know, a Welsh preacher who was in, in England, in London, was there for years. He used to say, we're very good at listening to ourselves and very bad at talking to ourselves. Um, now, I don't mean talking to ourselves in a kind of lunatic way, all right? I, I mean, you know, he, what, he was, what he meant by that was we're really good at listening to all those voices in our heads that want to tell us all this rubbish, all this negative stuff, and want to keep rehearsing all of that. But we're not good at checking that and telling ourselves the opposite truths that we need to hear in that. And you get a great example of that in um, the Psalms, in Psalm 42.11, David David goes through this list of things that have gone wrong for him and are still going wrong for him. And he says, and then he says to himself, why are you downcast on my soul? It's almost like, what do you think's going to happen if you keep dwelling on all of that? Why, why are you surprised that you're feeling depressed now you've just gone through this list of injustices that you've been through? But then he actually changes tack and he says, I'm, and then he says, I talk to myself and I say, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. And so here's what I want us to understand about this year. It's not diminishing, it's not denying anything that we've been through. What it is, is choosing to tell a story that is going to evoke hope and faith and life in us, rather than just keep rehearsing and nursing old wounds. Are you with me? Okay. We, need to, we get to edit our own stories. And we get to choose what we want to remember in them. And I'm saying we need to choose to remember the goodness of God and the good things that we've had this year to set us up for this year. And finally, and I'll keep this point really quick, okay, we need to step out and do something. In verse 11 and 12, it says, The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, why that's important is because when they were doing their 40 years of wandering in the desert, God did everything for them. They didn't have to think about where they were going to go because during the day there was a cloud and at night there was a pillar of fire. And the Bible tells us when, whenever the cloud moved, they moved. Whenever the pillar of fire moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the pillar of fire stopped, they stopped. And they didn't have to worry about what they were going to eat because they literally had food fall from heaven for them. But when they crossed over into Canaan, they had to do it for themselves. The manna stopped. And so what I want us to think about as we go into this year is what steps are we going to take? What is it that we are going to do? Because, you know, like there are times, uh, you know, as uh, being in pastoral ministry as long as I have, you know, you hear some things that make you scratch your head sometimes. And one of them is that there's this kind of version of spirituality that says, you know, I'm just going to pray and wait and see what God does. And that sounds like that's a lot of faith. But when you think about it in, in reference to this type of thing, it's actually more an immaturity than it is being a giant of the faith. Because if God's got to do everything for you, it's very much like when you're raising children. At one point, you have to do everything for them, don't you? But then there's a, hopefully, the goal is that by the, by the time they're 21, right, they are feeding themselves and you don't change their nappies anymore, all right? That's the hope. I know, and I hope for some of you it works out that way, all right? But maturity is about learning to, to do things for yourself and to, to, to step out. And it's the same with us in our relationship with God. 
It's not that we just have to pray and expect God to do everything. It's that we are now in a partnership. And if you read the New Testament, this is very, this is very strong theme that runs through the partnership. We are co-workers, co-laborers. God expects us to do stuff and he's with it in us. And there's stuff that we can't do that only he can do. But he doesn't do it in the absence of us doing something. He does it in conjunction with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not like we have to try and move the mountain. God moves the mountain, but he expects us to walk towards it, yeah? He expects us to use our faith and to pray and to do whatever it takes. So if you want a job or you want that dream job, you've got to apply for that job. There's gold right there, okay? You know, whatever you want, you've got to move towards it. You've got to take steps. You've got to enact. Don't just sit there and hope... Man, I wish this was different and I wish this was different and this is different. If you want to see things different this year, what are you going to do about it to make sure that it is going to be different this year? If my wife was here, she'd be now waving around the Barefoot Investor book. Okay? Anyone else in that cult? Yeah, I know, there's a few people. Right, okay. And it is a cult, I reckon. (laughs) No, it's a good one, though. Um, it's not a weird one where we're going to dig in and the federal agents are going to come and take us away, but it's all right. Um, but it's the same thing. You know, we've been talking about this for ages and, you know, we've looked at a whole range of things. We started reading this and we said, you know what, let's do this thing because we want to see some differences in the way our finances are, are, are being handled. So, you know, you want, to do, you want to be somewhere, you want to achieve something, you want to attain something, you actually have to start working towards it yourself it is a cooperative venture because all of this stuff only ever remains a promise or a possibility if we don't start doing what we need to make it happen amen so this year i just want you to think about this don't have to do it this morning you don't don't even have to do it today but at least give it some thought what is it that you need to cut off what is not allowed to follow you into the rest of this year? What are you going to consciously, intentionally decide to leave behind and to demarcate this point in time and this place where you say, that's when I dealt with that? Secondly, what's the stories you're going to choose to tell? Okay? What are the stories you are going to choose to tell yourself this year about who God is and who you are and all of that? And thirdly, what are you actually going to do? about what you want to see happen. What practical steps are you going to take? God will be in that with you, but what are you going to do? Amen? All right, we're going to take some communion now. Again, thank you, kids, for being so good. Um, You're wonderful. Thank you, adults, for being so good as well. Um, I appreciate your attention. (laughs) Um, We're going to go take communion now. Now, this may be a time for some of you to actually think about that and do business with God and do that, if, but you don't have to. Other than that, we'll get the team up, and then there is coffee. Please hang around for a coffee. We'd love to see you and love to talk to you, and thank you very much. Bye.